Welcome to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector. Hello and thanks very much for choosing to listen to this QMS podcast. I'm Mark Stephen. This particular series is focused on animal health. And in this episode, we're going to be looking at something that's crucial in the first few hours or days of a young animal's life. We're going to be talking about colostrum. I'm joined by two contributors today. Uh, The short version of her CV has Fiona Lovett as an independent sheep vet from the northeast of England, but she's also the clinical lead for Farm Vet Champions. She's a European-recognised specialist in sheep health and production, a clinical associate professor at the University of Nottingham, and a past president of the Sheep Veterinary Society. And if that wasn't enough, she also runs the sheep veterinary consultancy business Flock Health Limited, which works collaboratively with veterinary surgeons, farmers, processors, retailers, and pharmaceutical companies in both UK and abroad. Fiona, thanks very much for joining us this morning. It's a pleasure, Mark. And Colin Mason is Veterinary Centre Manager for SRUC. Colin worked initially in farm animal practice in Cheshire before moving north of the border. His work involves carrying out farm animal disease investigations and disease surveillance. He's also been involved with the planned control of infectious disease on a range of farms through health planning and cattle health schemes. Most relevantly for this podcast, he has a particular interest in young stock health. And good morning to you too, Colin. Good morning, Mark. Nice to speak to you. Nice to speak to you too. Fiona, I want to ask you for a start. What is colostrum? Okay, so colostrum is the first milk that we get from ruminants. So a young ruminant animal doesn't get immunoglobulins through the placenta. So as soon as they're born, they need to get that first colostrum, both to give them immunoglobulins to fight disease, but also to give them energy. So a lamb only has energy for five hours intrinsically and needs colostrum quickly to have enough um, energy to survive. So basically it's like sort of boosting up a battery for a start but it also long term establishes their immune system? Yes absolutely so a lamb that's lacking that's lacked colostrum never really does well and has has all sorts of problems fighting disease right through. How do you know Colin if the calf or a lamb has received enough colostrum? There's various ways I I suppose the first and, and most immediate look that a farmer can do is is observation and i actually think it's really important if possible to sort of start that observation during the birth process in that if for example you have a cow that has a difficult calving or indeed a cow that has a an unassisted calving but a slow calving and that calf comes out slightly weak um possibly slightly sort of yellow colored and is slow to stand and and slow to to suck your fingers then that's a calf first of all, that you want to to look out for and and perhaps prioritize. So that's probably the first thing. Observation about how that that calf gets up and suckles and and whether it it gets in there and and manages to to suck its mother. And then obviously observation, if you're looking at a lamb or a calf within the first few hours of life to to look to see if if its belly, if its abdomen is full and you can see evidence that it, you know, there's milk in there. Um, so those would be all the observations that farmers would be doing. But then there are also some specific measures that you could make in terms of testing calves or lambs to see whether they've actually absorbed enough of the antibodies that Fiona was talking about. Colostrum came up just in passing on a podcast we did, I think it was two or three ago. Um, and it was suggested then, although farmers give colostrum, they very often don't give enough. Has that been your experience, Fiona? Yes, when we've done studies, it's we can calculate how much they need, how much in terms of immunoglobulins and energy. And really, it's 
200 mils per kilo of lamb within 24 hours. So that's coming up to a litre at the end of 24 hours, which seems like a huge amount to people. And how about calves, Colin? What's the ratio there? Really what we're looking at is is 10% of body weight of the calf, in ideally in the first six hours of life. Um, and therefore, obviously depends a little bit on calf birth weight, but you know, for an average, let's say 40 kilo calf, and, and I accept that some will be bigger than that and some will be smaller than that, we're, we're looking at around about four litres is what they need. And, and obviously the clock is ticking after that calf is born in that the quality of the colostrum that the cow produces will be dropping. And also the ability of the calf to absorb that antibody from the colostrum will also be dropping. So time is also crucial. If I were to ask the question, Fiona, what is the best source of colostrum? Is the answer necessarily always the mother? I would say the vast majority of the time it is the mother. So assuming that she's good body condition score and she's been fed well up to lambing, her colostrum is many, many times better than any substitute. We did a study last year in, in Wales where we, we looked at 1,300 different ewe clostrums and we were blown away by the, by the quality generally of ewe clostrum. So that's always your first point of call. If you can't get, Colin, the genuine article from the mother, what are the options? There are options in that there are really two classes of products. One are, are colostrum substitutes and one are colostrum replacers. And the idea with the substitutes is, is that they're to sort of top up cow's colostrum and possibly poorer quality cow's colostrum, whereas colostrum replacers are there to basically completely take the place of any colostrum that might be available from the mother if it's actually not available at the time. So in general, the colostrum replacers are better quality products. And those will be the ones to look for. And, and really, I would suggest if you're buying any of these products is ask the questions of your animal health merchants or farm suppliers is, well, what is this? How many grams per litre of, of antibodies has it got? Is it a replacer? Is, is it a substitute? And, and just have a good conversation with whoever you're buying that from to make sure you're getting the right stuff. How is cow colostrum actually sourced? Because I would have thought it was necessary for the calf, you know, unless, of course, the calf has died. There's often some extra. So I'd always ensure that the animal's own offspring gets a good feed first, but then you can often harvest some after that. So once you've made sure the lamb or calf's got a good belly full, I would take off. But, but you do need to still get it early on. Don't don't wait a day or two, because by that stage, as um, Colin said, it, it's decreased in quality. Can you swap if you have cow colostrum? Can you give it to a lamb? Or if you've ewe colostrum, can you give it to a calf? Euclostrum is much higher in protein and fat, but actually much lower in immunoglobulins than cattle clostrum. So we can substitute. There are a small number of cows who have an anti-sheep antibody in their clostrum. So if you happen to be really unlucky and pick the one cow that has that factor, then you end up getting hemolytic anemia in your lambs. So we generally tend to advise people pool cow samples and if you're outside lambing and you really really need the energy in the colostrum then you need to give extra of the cow because it's it hasn't got as high energy as the sheep. Colin if you're sharing cow colostrum between cows do you have to consider the possibility of disease transfer? Yes you absolutely do and and probably the the sort of top of the list of those diseases would be Yoni's disease which we know can be spread through cow's colostrum so if you're 
either sharing colostrum between cows or even getting colostrum potentially from other herds, it's really important not only to know the, the yoni status of the herd, but also to know the yoni status of an individual cow, uh, because what we absolutely don't want to do is, is take and use colostrum from a yoni's positive cow because that is is highly likely to transfer the infection onto the calf that you give it to so there are other infectious diseases that can be spread through colostrum as well things like potentially salmonella or mycoplasma but yonis would be that the, the key highlight uh, of those is there also a risk from yonis in sheep fiona uh yes there definitely is yonis in sheep is much less well recognized although we we are concerned that there are high numbers of flocks that do have yonis, so it's it is definitely worth considering. What's the best way to actually store this stuff and potentially defrost it? I suppose, Colin. Our, our best advice with with cow colostrum, and we've got to also bear in mind: uh, are we basing this around dairy cows or, or suckler cows? Because obviously, getting colostrum out of suckler cows and handleability of suckler cows can be can be a challenge in a lot of situations but if we focus more generally then the the best way of storing it would be to freeze it and to freeze it as quickly as possible after it's been collected so that you're not allowing the product to sit for any period of time to get dirty or for bacteria to multiply and if we're going to freeze it probably the best is is to freeze it in fairly large Ziploc bags, or you can buy proprietary bags as well that can take up to four liters, and they can sit fairly flat, which allows them to defrost fairly quickly if they're going to be used. Because obviously, you know, time will be of the essence if you wanted to defrost some colostrum, and there is potential challenges if you overheat it as you defrost it that you actually denature and damage some of the protein and damage some of the antibodies that you're actually wanting a calf or a lamb to absorb. So those are just some practical tips. The other thing that I would say as well is, is, is that if we're collecting colostrum from cows, there's various things that we need to think about. But one general point is on hygiene in that really we need to be ensuring that that colostrum is as clean as, let's say, cow's milk that you'd be drinking. Because what we also know is, is, is that if we've got colostrum with a really high bacterial load then the antibodies will be be poorly absorbed from that colostrum by by the calf or by the lamb so so hygiene is really really important if we're going to collect and store colostrum coming back to a point you made earlier fiona about the fact that you know if, if a lamb doesn't get enough colostrum it's never going to be a good doer thereafter if you know a lamb hasn't got enough colostrum for a start for whatever reason is it worthwhile continuing with it Yes, I think it is. Obviously, every case is different. The kind of focus is to make sure everything gets colostrum as quickly as possible. It is because within a certain length of time, the animal will start to make it. It's that first stage where it needs those immunoglobulins. So I wouldn't give up, but equally focus all your attention on making sure a suitable amount of good quality colostrum gets into the um, lamb as quickly as possible. I'm just trying to get this room you know, into my head, Colin. If you know the animal is born, you can see that there's potentially a problem. You've got five or six hours to play with, you know, ideally. Talk me through the time scale of this. At what stage would we be starting to think, actually the mother's not doing this properly? You know, I'm gonna actually have to start digging some colostrum out of the freezer. I think you know pretty quickly as soon as that calf's born. 
firstly, looking at the calf, looking at the viability of that calf, looking at the color of that calf. As I say, if it's very yellow stained, that's an indicator of a, a slow calving and a stressed calf, which is, is going to need prioritized. The suck reflex is a really, really, really good measure and a really, really simple one in that, you know, just sticking your fingers in the calf's mouth. If it sucks your fingers really vigorously, then there's a good chance that it's going to a suck its mother and b also absorb the colostrum antibodies that it drinks really effectively if it's got a weak or a non-existent suck reflex and it just sort of you know doesn't doesn't really bother with your fingers when you put it in its mouth then that's a real sign that something needs to be done so there's some indicators that are there really straight away and even if you don't actually see and observe the calving itself which will be be not uncommon then there will be some indicators that you can get from the calf straight away so you can make some pretty quick decisions of course you can try to see if you can get that calf onto its feet and see if it will get to its mum and, and and suck its mother for getting colostrum so that's certainly something you can try but it, it will be very quickly become obvious if that's not not possible just listening to this, Fiona, I mean, there have been huge leaps ahead scientifically in all sorts of areas in agriculture. But it seems to me that the subtext of what you are both saying here is that, you know, if you put it in human terms, breast is best. You know, it's, it, it, it's difficult to actually improve on nature. Absolutely. And there was a there have been a couple of bits of work looking at the quality of powdered colostrum. There was a paper in the vet record just last year and the, the variability on powders that are available is absolutely enormous in in amount of immunoglobulins and even the very best powders still have maybe half what you'd get from from the the dams themselves so yeah breast is definitely best in this um circumstance i personally don't like the powders i would always go to try and harvest off other ewes within the shed or or go to cattle colostrum because i think it's especially the price of everything today it's it's better value for money but I would test that colostrum and I would make sure that you've just got people on it and you've kind of got a good system so lambing is such a stressful time of year you really don't need an extra hassle so you do want to be set up one in advance you want in contrast to how Colin was describing storing colostrum for cattle actually smaller amounts for defrosting for lambs and you can buy on the internet the little breast Women who store their breast milk, you can get small little sachets. They're very cheap. So any farmers who are brave enough to um, go and order those, I would <laughs> I would advise it. And then you could just drop those in a mug of hot water to to defrost for a lamb. So um, and actually you can keep it in in a busy lambing time. You can keep it in the fridge for up to a week. So if you know that you're going to need it within a week, which often you will do um, in the middle of lambing, then um, you can store it in the fridge. Just make sure you have it well labelled so that you are you have got some stock rotation and you you haven't you know you know when it was stored and and that it's stored clearly with a nice lid on it and that sort of thing there's also um I mean, we've done a lot of testing with the bricks you can buy a, a bricks refractometer for 20 or 30 pounds easily um you, there's also pumps for um getting colostrum off use now they're more expensive they're about 120 130 pounds but shepherds i know who've bought them absolutely swear by them that would not go back to trying to strip by hand and just say it's phenomenal how much colostrum you can pull off of you they just have never believed that they could actually get so much off um, with one of these machines so that's worth looking into as well and so what was that first device you mentioned before the pump oh the bricks refractometer so they sell them for um home brewing 
Um, so it's a BRICS zero to 32%. And you literally lift the little glass plate, put a drop of water on to calibrate it. You expect it to be at zero. And then you put a drop of colostrum on and you expect it to be 22% for cattle or 26.5% for sheep um, is good. And that's often right off the top of the scale. In that sense, it wasn't made for measuring sheep colostrum, but we've used them really effectively and found a lot of farmers like to use them as well. And how do you spell BRICS? B-R-I-X. This has been a fascinating topic. Colin Mason and Fiona Lovett, thank you both very much for your time. Thank Thank you. Right, next week we're going to be talking about a topic that's often sidelined in animal husbandry, namely human health and how it associates. I hope you can join us for that and that you found this QMS podcast useful. If you just found us, there is a considerable back catalogue of topics and speakers, a couple of years worth as a matter of fact, and it might be worth your while having a ferret around just to see if there's anything there of interest to you. Until the next time, I'm Mark Stephen. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Call to Meet Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk. For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.